Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story, Inc. is Andrew Bolton. Andrew is the chief client officer from Notch, which is a content intelligence company and a platform enabling brands to plan, measure, and optimize content. Now, stay with me here because Notch is also, and Andrew is also, the creator and proprietor of Pros and Content, which is a digital hub with awesome content in various forms, videos, podcasts, articles on content marketing. So, Andrew, first off, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jay. Appreciate it. It gets always a little meta when we go into this, right? Talking to an expert content marketer about content marketing, right? So <laughs> with that with that being said, I think we're going to dig in here on a couple different things. You know, you've had a unique point of view on from the, the seat of major brand CMOs, the state of content marketing, the future of companies' media mindsets, and, and really what it means for branded content in terms of best practices and even some awesome case studies which you guys feature. So... You know, with that, it's it's really impressive, as I was saying before we got on the air here, in terms of what you've built. I'd really love for you to kind of explain the backstory on both origin story from Notch and then the development and creation of pros and content. Yeah, for sure. So Notch itself uh, has been around for about six, six and a half years or so. Um, and at its core, we're a technology company. We sell software to large brands to help them measure and optimize and impact the, the outcomes of their content programs. And so we've been in market um, working with, you know, big, well-known brands, everything from a Salesforce to a Ford to a J.P. Morgan Chase to a city, you know, the list goes on. Um, and we really had the privilege of working with some of the best content leaders and the best content minds in the industry. Um, and as we you know, went through our journey as a company and grew, you know, I joined about four and a half years ago and we had about nine people at the time and now hmm. we're, we're north of 70. As we grew, we recognized, I would say probably about two years ago that we weren't doing a, a very good job of eating our own dog food as it came <laughs> to using content as a means to engage people. And so we were so caught up with, you know, working with our clients and making them successful. We got to a point where all of a sudden we're like, well, man, we need to be doing this ourselves. And so we began dipping our toe in the water um, with our new head of marketing that just come on board um, and started you know, building out some just basic blog content um, for back, lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, we were also lucky enough to, um, at the time, have an in-person conference um, that was very successful and we had some really great speakers and I gave us some video content. So we began posting that. And so it began to just kind of pick up uh, steam as we uh, went through time. Um, and then uh, there was a bit of an inflection point when our uh, founder and CEO, uh, Anda Ganska, she was invited to be on a podcast called Atlandia, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I don't know if you're familiar. Um, if you're not, I would check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great um, podcast um, with some, some you know, awesome marketing uh, chops behind it. And uh, she was on the podcast, the first podcast that she'd ever done. Um, and she really enjoyed the experience and literally within 24 hours, she was getting DMS on Twitter from people who had heard it once it had gone live, um, saying, this is awesome. Like, I want to learn more about your company, so on and so forth. And we actually 
you know, closed two or three, you know, deals basically just off of that exposure on Atlandia. Wow. And so, uh, it really opened her eyes, not only to the power of podcasts and the means to, uh, to, to get different voices involved in what we were doing, but also a way to engage both clients as well as potential clients, or even just people that we respect in the industry, um, engage them in a way and bring them into a community around notch that really helps, um, the brand. And so pros and content um, has been built to essentially be the content hub that is attached to Notch, the technology company, um, where we look to highlight you know, all things content. So very meta in many ways, mm-hmm. um, but something that we found to be you know, very powerful. We're going to get even more meta. I mean, listen, listeners, I strongly encourage you to visit uh, pros and content, right? It's at prosandcontent.notch.com to see the world-class content marketing personified. It's got all kinds of stuff on there. Content Marketing 101, there's podcasts, as Andrew was referring to, there's magazine content, there's the Future of Content Summit, and my personal fave, Meet the Pros. And, and you know, this is this is proof that it works, right? I mean, I spend a lot of time with clients talking about, you're kind of, blo- you're myth busting because I always start with like, look, the first piece of content that you do, it's not like you're going to close two business orders the next day. And you're just like telling me how Onda went on and, you know, did a podcast and the next thing you guys were getting, you know, closed business. But no, seriously, I mean, I think I reached out to you. I didn't know you guys from Adam. And I was so impressed with the way, the, the value of the and the quality of content that you're creating, the level of people that you have, right? You're talking about you know, Salesforce, Cisco, CMOs, right? VPs of marketing mm-hmm. at HP, like all kinds of great, um, you know, high level folks talking about the business of content marketing. And so with that, I thought it might be fun to kind of knowing that Notch is a technology company that in many ways, this is this is your, the key point of your marketing strategy, right? Is to engage mm-hmm. and, and immerse yourself in, in content. I'd love to hear from you, your client acquisition funnel and how pros and content has impacted your business. You touched on a little bit, but what are some of those things that you may have found to be most successful and what's worked for you that you may have not expected to? For sure. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we view our job as a technology company in uh, enabling our clients to increase the relevance of content internally. I think one thing that we've seen is that, um, you know, content teams um, across the board are always looking to uh, justify their existence, get more budget, be mm-hmm. relevant. Um, and, you know, our goal is to say as a technology company, what can we do from a measurement perspective? What can we do to help you connect content to outcomes so that you can increase that relevance and increase that impact of content within your organization? And so that's something that we're trying to do within our own organization. And it's funny, like some of the struggles that we have are the same struggles that you know, a Fortune 500 has, yeah. has when they're doing content. So um, we took a, a, a not unique approach, I don't think, to, to content where initially a lot of the work that we were doing was, especially in the blog side, is a very SEO focused. So just looking at how can we build a little bit of an audience, build mm-hmm. some traffic to the site using, um, you know, content on content, um, knowing what, what people were searching for. And I think that's great. It's a great way of building a baseline, but it's not is effective at reaching your um, your like ideal customer profile sometimes because it can be very broad. Um, and so what we then began thinking about is how do we break down the different content assets that we're creating and the different subjects that we're talking about? Mm-hmm. How do we break it down based upon the personas that we're targeting, um, where they are in their awareness funnel of content itself as well as you know Notch? 
um, and then use that as a means from a sales engagement to arm our sales team with content that they can go out to everyone from a CMO to a content leader to a content practi practitioner to an editor um, with something that adds value to their day. So um, my background is actually you know, on the sales side of things. Um, and one of kind of my mantras or one of the things I always try to instill in people is that sales is all about reciprocity. You yeah. always want, if, if you're asking something, you know, asking for someone's time, you're asking for someone's, you know, a, a meeting for budget, for trust, whatever it may be, you need to give them something in return. Um, and content and thought leadership is a great way to do that. And so that was the second thing that we really started looking at is like breaking down the content into those different buckets. Yeah. And then finally, like we really want to use pros and content as a means to celebrate the work of our clients and just the you know people in the industry overall and that's where we've had a lot of success with engaging you know cmos chief brand officers chief communications officers you know content leaders content center of excellence leaders um because they want to talk about the great work that they're doing and there's definitely a thirst for this knowledge in the market and that's been really helpful for us in um accelerating some deals um uh, getting people more engaged with notch as a whole um, and also just learning a lot too. Um, you know, every time I get on the phone or, uh, have an email exchange with these folks, I'm trying to absorb and learn as much about what they care about, what their pain points are, what their challenges are. And then that helps inform our content creation strategy as well. You know, it's one thing I, I've shared this on a couple of podcasts and this is, this is the audience to do it in. We can dig into this level because the people that are here listening, this is, this is why they're here. And, I found it interesting, and it was very concerted on our effort. When I started Brand Story Inc. about a year ago, part of the impetus for that was relationship building, right? And I think people look at it and be like, okay, great, you're creating content to get a critical mass of people to listen, to then get aware of your company, and then it goes down a funnel. The other part of that, though, is it's enab it enables me to have a conversation with someone like you, who I don't know, right, and extend a network and create this human relationship that, quite candidly, um, because other people are going to listen to it and they hear notch that you're willing to do it and, and have that dialogue. But what you've done, I think, is fascinating. And many of the people that you're featuring are existing clients, right? And so you're celebrating them. Mm -hmm. They're familiar with you. And it's it's almost this notion of like a 21st century testimonial with a twist, right? You're not asking them to get up there and pound their chest about notch. You're just leveraging that relationship in a way that creates a deeper, meaningful relationship with your existing clients who are then going to become brand ambassadors in a way. And so it's, and you're giving value to people like me who are in the, in the industry of like, oh, great, what's going on with content measurement over here? Let me take a look. Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, is that, you know, I'd love for your reaction to that. Am I off in terms of kind of how I'm looking at how you've leveraged your, your client base? No, hundred um, percent. You know, there's the idea of building case studies, and case studies still have um, a place uh, in marketing. And you want to give those. You know, when you have a sales meeting with someone, everyone's always like, "Oh, show me a case study," um, which is great. But I've actually started saying, "Sure, I'll send you a case study." But then I send them a link to yep. uh, a blog post that we wrote uh, alongside of HP or alongside of Ford. And actually call it like the Notch Ford story mm -hmm. um, because it's really more about the brand and what they're doing and then how we work with them to uh, measure, optimize, get better at, at, at the content they're creating. So I think that's absolutely uh, kind of the way of the future, I think, as far as how do you engage clients in a way that celebrates the work that they're doing, but then also helps you know us as a business as well. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting um, 
you mentioned community and this idea of building relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, content, you know, is a great way of doing that because it's always about the value exchange. It's not an ad, right? It's not binary where someone clicked on it, they didn't click on it, they saw it, they didn't click on it. There's, they're coming there for value and you're trying to give them value. And what we found um, is that you can actually start taking that to another level where we've actually just launched um, soft launch and we'll be doing the full launch the next coming, coming weeks of an online community for content leaders mm. um, uh, called so the frozen smart. content, frozen content um, uh, uh, community. And it's a Slack community always on where we have content leaders. Right now we've got about 70 different brands represented. Um, where they can go in and they can have, in essence, it's like a safe space where they can ask questions to each other. They can bounce ideas off each other. We can celebrate each other's work. You know, XYZ just you know, launched a new campaign. Mm-hmm. Check this out. Let, let me know what you think. You know, I'm having trouble with this vendor. Like, what's your experience here? Um, and that sort of support uh, has been amazing. And we then take that to another level and do once a month, uh, essentially like Zoom meetups where people can, see each other's faces, get to know each other, um, and, and share and grow together. And again, it all loops back to that mission that we have of how do we increase the relevance of content? Um, because if you do that, it's, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships. And so, um, you know, we're taking the idea of content marketing and actually creating a community about content to create content. See, look at this. Even, even, even more meta. (laughs) Well, no, I love this. I mean, I bring this up on every single podcast, right? Because I think those of us that kind of are in it and on the front lines of it, you see it, right? And it's this this notion of community trumps all. And it's that human relationship. And what you just described is so smart because I haven't seen that. Yes, there are premier and A-level content marketing conferences, whether now virtual or old school, like pre-pandemic in, in person. Awesome. There are great pieces of content out there in tools. Awesome. But no one's really done what you just described. And that's like the nirvana of content marketing is when you actually build a community and people are, oh, what is pros and content? Or I can actually go and communicate in real time with people and kind of have that ongoing conversation in this like always on, on demand when I want it world. It's freaking brilliant. That's It's super smart yeah. of you to do. So and the, and the most and the, and the most popular channel on there is called Ask a Pro. And it's literally like, yep. hey, I have this question somebody help me. Um, and then people can sidebar and there's, you know, you can, you can direct message people and there's all that, but, um, but yeah, it's interesting. Don't kick me out. I'm in. (laughs) It's uh, it's, it is burgeoning, but growing. Um, so, well, I've had, I've had a chance to watch you kind of do what I'm doing to you and where you're host on meet the pros video podcast. And you've had an impressive array of brands like HP and Salesforce and LinkedIn, like we Mm -hmm. mentioned, and you've really planted a flag around, each of the slices of what I call the future of content, right? Strategy, measurement, organizational structures, content technology, you name it, you've covered it. So I'm going to cherry pick just a few topics in the interest of time that you've covered on Meet the Pros as almost an intro course for folks to kind of get a sense for your knowledge base and and the the type of content that's there, um, to to your point, at pros and content. So let's start with state of organizational structures. Uh, I, I watched a recent one, I believe it was with um, HP and Salesforce, if I'm getting it right, where you were talking yep. about this topic, right? And so some brands, even large ones, kind of have small teams with key outsource partners, right? Others have big internal teams and there's kind of a large gap in between, right, of, of all, every machination of that. What trends are you seeing right now in staffing as it relates to content marketing? Are there any emerging trends you're seeing relative to kind of job archetypes that are 
internal versus external on this mix? Yeah, so great question. Um, I would say staffing is up um, across the board. Um, it's a pretty hot job market right now for anyone related to content. Um, we're actually doing a virtual conference tomorrow. Um, you know, we're recording this today, so mm -hmm. it'll be you know in the past when this mm -hmm. drops. But um, you know, it's all about the state of content careers. Um, and we did a uh, a research uh, report where we looked at the number of career or uh, content based jobs um, at brands and the the volume of them you know increasing year over year. And it's pretty astounding to see where it's going. Mm -hmm. And I think that COVID, um, if anything, really cemented in people's brains. Um, at the marketing level, the value of having a strong internal content team, you know, regardless of the size, like you could have a really strong team of four people, or you could have a really strong team of 40 people, but you want to have that team in place because across the board, uh, you know, now digital content is one of the main ways for brands to connect with um, audiences, with their consumers, with their prospects, their, with their clients. Um, because you don't have the trade shows, because you don't have, yep. um, you know, in-person sponsorships and in-person meetings. And so the brands that have had that had a uh, at least a beginning of an infrastructure around a content team um, at the onset of COVID in a, a, a firm point of view around what their brand stood for, I think has done a lot that they've done a lot better over the past couple of months than um, brands that were just outsourcing everything or content was a bit of an afterthought. Yep. So I definitely say that that is one of trends that we're seeing which is just 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 embrace content and in and put investment behind it regardless of the size of the team it's interesting I, we're seeing the same thing we're seeing it um i call it the teeny budget balloon so mm -hmm. uh particularly along small to mid-sized businesses who may be late to the content marketing game who've been reliant on kind of t and e right going out whining and dining in the golf course circuit and obviously yep. with that being gone we've had um, you know, in the same way you do content marketing for um, a company that's technology based, we're kind of a content consultant and create a content agency. And so we've had inbounds that are coming from, hey, look, I've, I had this T&E budgeted and I, I can't get in front of people. So the next best thing is how do I use content to actually get in front of people? And that, that's kind of been a consistent thing. Those are the ones that are lucky enough to not have the T&E budget completely disappear. Yeah. But right. Uh, so so it's interesting that we're seeing that. I'm I'm curious. Um, since this should be a sweet spot for you in terms of content measurement, here we are late 2020. I'm curious where you see where we are in the big picture. How would you rate how brands are at tying their efforts into the business impact as it relates to content measurement right now? Uh, yeah, great question. So uh, that's really what Notch is all about. We created the company to help solve this challenge for content marketers. Um, it's an interesting paradox, um, and our founder and CEO, she actually just wrote an article about it, um, which is you know, essentially saying, you know, what is uh, a content marketer's biggest challenge, and that's you know, proving the ROI of, of, uh, of what they're doing or of their content. But then what is their biggest fear, which is measuring the ROI of their, mm -hmm. <laughs> of their content. Um, and so, you know, really advanced marketing organizations have gotten very good at enabling or allowing people to feel like that it's okay to fail because if you don't have that, it's very hard to measure things in a way that's going to actually improve outcomes because you're always measuring for the outcomes that you want. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's an inherent bias, right? To your point of if you've invested in something to prove 
you're biased or predisposed to show, hey, it worked because I didn't make a mistake. But if you, right, I mean, that's essentially what you're saying. If you're more yep. objective about it and, you're, and you've got a culture that enables you to kind of like truly measure, oh, this didn't work as much, you're going to improve better. Am I mirroring that back to you effectively or no? For sure. Like you just hit a ceiling. If you're always just kind of measuring to look good, yeah. you're only going to get yeah. so good. Um, you know, my, my background before all this was in, in, in sports. I was on the, the U.S. rowing team for a number of years, and that taught me a lot around losing because you lose a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to have those failures to, to advance. Like you have to break your body down. You have to break your, your, your brain, your, your, your mind down to rebuild it stronger. But I think marketers get stuck on this, uh, this wagon of I always have to make something look good. And that just creates a ceiling of, mm-hmm. of how good you can get. So I think that's the the one thing that just organizationally good CMOS have figured out how to break that break through that um, and enable that failure to get to future success. So I think that's one piece of it. As it relates to content marketing specifically, I think what's really interesting is that when you look at the different platforms and the different solutions that exist for a content marketer. A lot of people, I think, out of the gate ran towards some of the shiny, shiny objects out there. So mm-hmm. personalization or workflow tools and collaboration tools and things like that. But when you go and you look at, um, there was a really good study from the ANA um, over the summer um, about growth and opportunities in content marketing. The top uh, four or five like biggest pain points for content leaders was all around like actionable insights, ROI, mm-hmm. measurement. And it's, it's this, this, this pain point is that you need to be able to relate uh, content to outcomes. And so um, that's, you know, again, what Notch does. Um, so right. you know, quick commercial plug. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, that where we find our success is finding those marketers that want to measure better. They want to know what's working. They want to know what's not working so they can actually improve and get better versus being in a very like kind of legacy workflow pattern of, okay, how do we just prove that everything is good? Well, you're on the front lines, right? So pick. I, I, we can either go as micro or as macro as you want on this. What's the 2021 realistic expectation for how the industry of content measurement may improve, right? And, and whether that's from a metric perspective, right, of whether time spent on video mm-hmm. or anything that you're seeing since you're quite you, since you're a leader in content measurement at Notch, I'm, I'm curious what's realistic for the for the market as a whole to kind of improve upon in the near term. Yeah, I think that it's building a measurement framework, whether you're using Notch or you're using GA or using Adobe or some other platform to to measure outcomes. Um, You need to arrive at that measurement framework and what is success for content that can live in different parts of the marketing funnel of the marketing journey. Like because content has this value exchange component, you can't just look at your time spent metric and your bounce metric and your, you know, SEO traffic metric and say that you've like checked the box and you've done a good job. You have to go deeper than that and understand where does content fit within the funnel and then what are the metrics that matter most against those different those different pieces. So I think all too often we see a bit of a one size fits all of, well, we want to lower bounce rating and increase time spent. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. But what if it's content that is about you know shifting perception uh, or awareness of XYZ brand. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's not really going to tell you that. It's going to say that you got traffic and you got people to hang around, but did the, 
content actually do that job that job i don't know we don't know um you know Conversely, you look at something, a piece of content that's much more direct response focused. It's about getting people to get to a specific product, um, hopefully sign up, you know, take a high value action. That type of content needs to be judged differently. And so I think that, again, a lot of uh, content teams are looking at the shinier objects without getting Mm -hmm. that measurement framework, that house in order first. Because if you don't have that strong foundation, thinking again like the analogy we we're just talking about like you can only build the house so big right yeah. um the tower can only go so high if you don't have the strong foundation and when cfos and cmos are trying to figure out where budget goes if you can't prove yeah. your the value of your content to an outcome then you're not going to get the budget yep. that you want so really well said so i want to shift here into, into some one of the things that that I love on pros and content is how many kind of best practices and actual tangible case studies that you have, you know, um, and, and we'll go into some of those in, in a little bit, you know, Intuit stands out, right? Like the depth that you went into on kind of like how Intuit as a company pivoted during the pandemic to kind of be um, a resource for its clients on how to navigate, you know, small business challenges was like just the depth that you went into, I really like. So I, I want to segue in a broad, in kind of more broad terms, illustrate some larger points of best practices. So I, you got, you've profiled over 50 brands so far this year on the site. And I'm, I'm curious on, on your hub, what are some of the best practices that you're seeing that are transcending either industry or market? And, and which of these do you believe to kind of be the most important right now? Yeah, there's one that, jumps out, I think, um, as, as the biggest and I think, think the most um, powerful trend. And that really is this idea of building out um, content centers of excellence, whereby you have a team that is responsible for content across the organization, mm-hmm. whether that be marketing content, uh, PR and comms content, employee communications content, investor content, mm-hmm. owned content, paid content, social content. There's so many different types of content that exist out there. And we see in a lot of organizations where even within one of those disciplines like marketing, there might be five to 10 different silos and teams creating content and there isn't any cross communication between them. And what you end up with is uh, a very you know, kind of like non sequitorial yep. uh, experience for, for a consumer where maybe they engage with content for a brand out on a paid publisher site, like, you know, custom content. And they're like, Oh, that's interesting. And they get driven back through, you know, a, a call to action to the own site. But when they arrive, it's a completely different look, feel, um, Tone of voice, uh, voice yep. exactly. Uh, and this, this uh, idea that, uh, content has to live in its swim lanes, I think is, is, is archaic at this point. Um, and so you look at some brands like Bank of America, John Von Brockle there has done an amazing job of building a content center of excellence that really touches all the different content initiatives throughout the firm um, and makes sure that there is a singular voice and you know, connective tissue between them all. And I think that's just going to get more and more important, um, you know, especially now where, again, digital content is a way of reaching people in their homes, getting them interested, building an audience. Um, y- you want to make sure that there's that uh, that universal tone across the board. So 
that's the biggest thing that jumps out to me. Yes, um, such an interesting concept, right? Because from the outside looking in, of course it makes sense, right? It's marketing 101. Like every touch point should be a consistent experience, right? Whether you're Mm -hmm. on a Twitter handle or, you know, in the lobby of, you know, if it's a retail, whatever it may be, but really hard to do, especially in these larger organizations that have, you started, you rattled off like six or seven, right? Like the different lanes and, um, really difficult to do right and and kind of like to be witty across every touch point to have a consistent brand voice when you're producing thousands of pieces of content easier said than done so that's interesting yep. you, i haven't heard anyone say that answer so that very cool in that regard i think one of the things we talk about on this podcast all the time is the media company mindset and and it's not a tactic it's more of a cultural dna strand that lives within a company and i believe one, the ones that are doing it extremely well have even created their own media brands or communities as kind of you were alluding to, right? Like the what's next for, for pros and content. So, you know, I, I, some of these you've profiled, right? Garage by HP or All Things Hair by Unilever or Wooly by Casper Mattress, these, these brands within a brand, right? Uh, which brings us to kind of one of your points of emphasis that I've been seeing lately, which is the digital hub. So explain the importance in your words of the digital hub from what it is to why it matters, and then we'll get into some case studies. Sure. So like the one word answer of why it matters is data. Um, and so I'm going to go go kind of deep on this um, because it's something that I'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about and I, I, I put a lot of thought behind. And um, I think that if we take a step back when you're talking about like brand as a media company or brand as publisher, it's very buzzwordy. And I think on surface, a lot of people think of like, okay, well, yeah, we want to produce more content. We have to publish more content. That's what brand as publisher means. And it does to a certain point. But if you take a step back and think about okay, at the end of the day, like, what is the value of content? Um, you know, a lot of brands, uh, in order to produce content or engage audiences, they go out and they work with publishers, right? They do custom content programs. Yep. Um, they go work with the New York Times or BuzzFeed or whatever. And why do they do that? Well, they do that because those publishers have an audience. And why does that matter? Well, that audience provides that publisher a tremendous amount of data that they can then utilize to engage different audiences, different segments and and, and things along those lines. And so when you think about the long-term value of an owned content hub, it's really about a building that audience yourself. And you're going to know it's going to be smaller than what the New York Times has. That's Mm -hmm. fine. Like, like getting, you know, be realistic about what that audience is, but know that it can be really high quality. And then the value there is to mine that audience for as much data and insights as you possibly can. I often think about uh, the audience that comes to your own content hub almost as like a, um, a uh, real-time focus group in a way where you can produce a piece of content that doesn't cost a whole lot, but you can try messaging, you can try different things, you can see how people react to it, and then you can use that to spread that through other parts of the marketing organization. And so this idea of collecting first-party data around your audience, which is hopefully you're going to be your, your customers, um, is, is super, super important. And I think that that importance is only going to increase as we move into more and more uh, data privacy laws like GDPR uh, yeah. or CCPA, where access to third-party data sets around an audience is going to be going down. And so... Um, by building your own audience, building your own data, you kind of ensure your stronghold or your future around knowing um, your audience. The 
other side of this too is if you just think about uh, cost of um, customer acquisition cost or CAC, right? Mm -hmm. Is that there's a lot of brands that are stuck on the paid direct response media train to acquire uh, new uh, customers or new audience members, right? And so they're going out and they're using Facebook or they're using LinkedIn, they're using Twitter, they're using display ads. And you can only go to that well so many times before your cost of customer acquisition just starts going up and up and up. Yeah. The goal of content is if you can create that audience is actually reducing uh, customer acquisition costs over time because you have that audience that is coming to you because you are the publisher, you are the, the data holder. And so that's, I think, the, the long yeah, and, and I think play for content. To build on what you just said, it's not only the customer acquisition, right? If you're creating value, and, and I love how you said it, right? It's got to be at minimum, um, at minimum, an even value exchange, right? And so you're building also brand affinity if you're creating that good content, right? I go to pros and content. I'm going to come back if I like the content, right? I'm deeper affinity. So as it comes to improving our company or our client's content measurement, I'm going to yeah. be that much more friends, likely you're gonna to... Create a pod- right. Yeah, you're going to tell your friends, you're going to create a podcast about it, you're going to tweet about it, and then yep. you're going to grow the audience for pros and content. Correct, correct. So yep. very, very cool. All right, so I'm a believer many executives miss blue ocean opportunities because they focus a bit more on tactics than kind of the differentiating umbrella strategy, kind of the, the topic areas that are somewhat niche but could be quote-unquote owned and create true digital communities as opposed to simple content consumption. It's kind of what we, we alluded to this before um, mm-hmm. with what you're doing for yourself. So as as you've profiled and scanned and connected with all these different brands, who are you watching differentiate themselves in this regard? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and it's certainly a tough one. Um, I think that some of the B2B tech companies that exist out there, uh, think about Salesforce and Trailblazer, um, mm-hmm. which is their content hub slash resource hub slash community that they're growing around their brand, uh, is a great example of how do you build something that has that value exchange like every time someone goes there and you go there because you usually have a need. You're like, oh, I want to figure out how to do X, Y, Z in Salesforce. And then there's a you know, quote unquote trail for you to follow to yep. learn more about that. Um, and they're using that um, in a multitude of ways to engage everything, everyone from the C-suite all the way down to the practitioner level of people that are very like hands on keyboards um, and, and, and doing a great job of it. So I think that that to me is a good example on how do you build a community that's based upon uh, on content? Very cool. So as we, we get towards the end of the year here, there's a lot of look backs and look aheads. I'm curious from your point of view, what trends in content marketing have emerged from the pandemic that you believe are going to stick and are here to stay? That's a good one. Um, I think that there's a couple of things. One, if you talk to anyone who's on the content team for the past nine months, they've been working overtime. So hopefully <laughs> they get a vacation soon. <laughs> um, I was, I was, you know, having a conversation with one of our clients and I was joking that, you know, for every hour of overtime that uh, 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 she and her, her team works, they should be getting, you know, X, Y, Z in their budget for next year. <laughs> um, and they should be, you know, keep keeping, keeping a tab on that. So, you know, I, I, we alluded to it earlier, but I think the biggest trend is just the importance of content. And that's, you know, a bit of a catch-all. 
But I, I truly believe that brands are recognizing that they need to build these value exchange moments, these uh, reciprocity moments that are not built around, to your point, like the golf course handshake or the swanky dinner yeah. or whatever it might be. And they, in content is a way to do that very effectively and efficiently. And so, um, again, it's my hope that over the next 12 months, we continue to see the relevance of content go up. And even as, you know, you know, God willing that there's a vaccine and things start getting better and, and things along those lines, I think that, that the distributed workforce is going to be here to stay to a certain extent. And as long as that happens, these types of exchanges via you know, digital content, whether it be podcast, video, uh, you know, virtual conferences, blog posts, or so on, um, is here to stay. Yeah, I think to your point, if I had to cast a ballot, that distributed workforce, particularly in the content space, seems to be something for a whole host of reasons, uh, my company included in that, you know, would have been said to be impossible, right? You need to be in an edit suite. You need to be here. Like we've, everyone's figured it out, right? And there's not, and, and I think which it's really cool for our industry because so many people can be geographically displaced and, and yet work harmoniously, I think, and, and especially in the, in the content space, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that just another an interesting anecdote too on this is that with that distributed space, I think people have realized that um, done is better than perfect when it comes to production quality in yep. some, some yep. ways. Um, they've noticed that the public doesn't need to have super high quality, super polished video content all the time. Yep. Sometimes, sure, go do your Super Bowl ad or you know, mm -hmm. whatever it may be, great. But for the most part, you can do things on a much faster turnaround in a much smaller budget that can have just the same, if not more, impact. Um, and I think that that's another interesting one is just the speed at which content can get created because we kind of got out of our own way and yeah. we went back to ba we went back to basics. Yep. Um, and we're doing podcasts over the phone now as opposed yes. to like, oh, we're gonna fly to somewhere, and we're gonna get in the studio <laughs> together, and then we're gonna it's gonna sound perfect, it's gonna be crystal clear. You're going to sound like Joe Rogan and you know, all is good, you know? Yep. I couldn't agree more. All right. So the final two questions are more on the personal side for Andrew Bolton here. We're going to start with Morning Musk. Obviously, you're up to speed on all things content marketing. Fess up on the secret sauce of some of your sources for what you read and watch to stay on top of industry news. <laughs> uh, so I'm pretty lame in this regard. Um, <laughs> I, I, I look at LinkedIn. Um, I, I, I've made it my mission to connect with as many industry leaders on the, in the content space as I can in LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I actually read the things that they post as opposed to just liking and reposting things, um, you know, at just the headline. So I do try to look at some of the things that they're, they're actually posting. So I think that that's one place that I go. And then honestly, I look at my email, I read my email. Um, and hmm. every day or a couple of days, there's someone who is a client or a prospect or someone who's connected with us through pros and content that comes in with an interesting question or an interesting comment or wants to know more about something. And that really helps me just understand um, the pulse kind of on the ground of, of what people care about um, that isn't their LinkedIn you know, facade, which yep. sometimes it can be. Um, so you just kind of like you get the, 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 the more... Uh, 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 superficial side of things on LinkedIn, but then mm -hmm. on the email you get the kind of like the real the real deal, um, and those are good kind of counterbalances to each other. Well, you're clearly an intellectually curious guy. You can tell that just in the passion and in the tone that you you talk about 
um, this subject matter that I'm appreciative of your time. But I'm curious for fun, what have you read lately? <laughs> uh, and this is another one that's extremely lame. I probably <laughs> haven't read a book in four or five years, um, which is sad. Um, in many ways, um, I know someone needs a vacation. We know the, who the someone is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that, (laughs) that is it. Um, I think the last one that I, I, I read actually was a rowing related book called boys in the boat. Oh, uh, it's one of my all time favorites. Love that book. Which is a a great book. And it's, it's close to home because obviously like, you know, I was really into rowing for a while, but I also know the coaches at university of Washington and at Cal Berkeley. And I know about the history of those teams and and just the the history of rowing in the U S in general. And so, um, it was just a good historical, uh, novel that, you know, just provided more context to some of the experiences that I, that I had. So, so yeah, so long story short is good book, but I need to read more. Awesome. Well, Andrew Bolton can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, can't implore folks listening enough to go check out pros and content. Andrew, thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Check it out. And, um, you know, looking forward to, uh, to seeing more content from you guys as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.